David said, it was good when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I, I feel really appropriate with this sermon series. Uh, we're looking at the Psalms for all seasons and how these worship texts uh, can also shape our prayer life. Uh, and hopefully um, that will come across. And, and I, I mentioned last week, but uh, I think we can't hear this enough, that, you know, really uh, those two just kind of bleed into each other, blend into each other. You know, our worship should should uh, lead us into prayer, and our prayer should have worship in it. And, and you know, they, when you try to make them two distinct things, uh, you either succeed and, and have less than what you should have, or you fail, because they, they do, they blend. And, uh, and so the Psalms definitely guide our worship, but they also guide our prayer life, because uh, our personal prayer is a form of worship. You know, and so uh, last week we looked at Psalm 73. Uh, Asaph was very open and very uh, honest, and he was struggling with envy of the wicked who were prospering in this world and uh, led to bitterness. And, and the solution was uh, to go into the house of the Lord. I'm, I'm very thankful for that new song today. And we're actually going to see that again today. And, and Stephen and I didn't plan this, but it was the Lord's work. Um, and so the solution was to go into the house of the Lord, to see God for who He is and what He's done, and to be among His people, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I was thinking as I was driving in that, you know, I, I think there are some things that we're struggling with, some things where we need healing, and we're only going to find it when we do it God's way. And part of God's way is He's called us to be part of the family. Uh, to worship Him all the time, but to come together regularly and worship together. And uh, uh, I know that's true in my life. And so Psalm 73 was a great start. And, and uh, uh, today uh, we'll be looking at Psalm 111, and we'll get there uh, soon. Um, but uh, uh, you may have heard a, a way to help your prayer uh, called Acts. Um, and just a, a way of thinking of your prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And uh, as you think of supplication is, is just praying for others and, and uh, asking for needs for yourself and for others, um, really. And, and uh, when, you, when someone pops in your head, this is just bonus, not part of our sermon. When someone pops in your head, I want to encourage us to, to say a prayer for them right then and there. Uh, perhaps they popped in your head because the Lord uh, p- put them there. You know, so uh, when someone pops in your head or you think of Pastor Stephen or Pastor Danny or anyone else, just just say a prayer for them. Uh, when I see an ambulance or a police car or a fire truck go by, say a prayer for the people uh, racing off to do something potentially life-threatening and the people that they're going to help. And uh, so let the circumstances of your life uh, increase your prayer. Uh, and so that's just a bonus supplication tip. But today is about Thanksgiving. And, uh, of course, there's many, many psalms that we could have used uh, for Thanksgiving. And uh, we chose Psalm 111. And if, if you're like me, that makes you think of the Lord of the Rings. And if you don't get that, then that's okay. But, uh, but uh, we chose Psalm 111. And uh, it, uh, it, uh, it uh, 111, 112, and 113 all start with the Hebrew word hallelujah, uh, which is translated praise the Lord. 
And, and so they think they might have been, uh, we don't know who wrote these psalms, they think it might have been the same psalmist. And 111 and 112 specifically are both acrostics, like uh, Psalm 119, but they're not as long, so I won't be reading uh, that much today. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, after praise the Lord, every line in the Hebrew text starts with a, a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that's just, a, I think, a fun way to write poetry to your, your God and to help you remember. And so that's why they think uh, this might have been all the same uh, uh, psalmist. And so today is about Thanksgiving, and, and I mentioned Acts... Uh, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Have you ever just gotten on your knees and you knew you needed to pray, but you didn't know what? Uh, sometimes I just, acts pops in my head and that helps me start. But I want to I say something else, because I, I think the more I think about it, it really should be akatasa. Because it should start with adoration, and, and, and it leads to thanksgiving, and you go back into adoration, and, and, and you go to confession, because you see who God is, and who He is, and, and you realize that you've sinned, and you want to get right with Him, and that should lead you to more adoration, because you can get right with Him, and, and then it leads you into thanksgiving that the, for all that He's done for you, and, and then you, you pray for others, and, and really it should be akatessa, just sprinkled with adoration all throughout of it, so uh, maybe that silly word uh, will help guide our prayers, um, but today is Thanksgiving, and uh, and if you'll let me, I have two illustrations to start us off today, and then we'll read our text. Um, I feel like the Lord throughout my life has, has used several moments, uh, more than these two, to impress upon me the importance of being thankful, of having a thankful heart, of, of, of just gratitude within your soul and and uh, aside from the public expression of thanksgiving which needs to be appropriate and timely uh aside from that you can't be too thankful you know you you can you know keep thinking over and over again until everyone gets embarrassed but 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 as when it comes to your character when it comes to your your inner soul and your feelings and all of that you really can't be too thankful you you can't go oh i'm i'm thankful enough i've i've got too much that won't happen and and i think a, a grateful heart and, and really uh the psalm asif last week he went into the house of the Lord. He saw who God was. He saw the big picture and where people would end up. And, 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 it, and it restored his soul. And, and really, if you're struggling with envy and bitterness, and I really refrained from, from talking about thankfulness because I knew I would be next week, but having a grateful heart is a, is a great way to combat uh, envy and bitterness. Because, because if you're grateful, if you're thankful, if you're focused on who God is and, and what He's done for us, how can we not be thankful? And how can we just, it, it just realize, you know what? This world's passing away. It's got nothing to offer me. And, and God gave me everything. And so uh, these uh, two illustrations uh, that, that God just impressed on my heart, I was in seminary. It was my first semester and, uh, you know, uh, the, the first year you're there, you get all the really hard uh, classes that no one wants because you're the last to sign up for classes. And, and so I, I signed up for Greek, and I'd had Greek in college, and so I, I, was, I was in an advanced class, and, and I, I got the professor that no one wanted. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, uh, um, 
they had a mistake had happened and too many people had signed up for the professor that everyone wanted and and so i was in the dean's office asking because uh in college i studied with my best friend and we did great together and he was in the professor that everyone wanted and uh and I, so I went to the dean to see if I could get in. You know, deans have that power. And he's like, no, nah, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm going to have to go to that class and beg some of them to transfer to the class that you're in. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, it turns out his name was Dr. Schatzman and, and just the nicest guy ever. Um, but he was demanding. Oh, he was tough, and that's why no one liked him. And, uh, and so I had, I had a professor in college who was actually more demanding in, in what he asked us to do, but he was a lot more lenient in, in handing out the grades. And uh, so Dr. Schatzman was very demanding and not so lenient with the grades. He, he kind of believed in the old bell curve thing. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so I had never worked so hard to, or been so proud of that B. Like, like, you know, I've gotten B's before, and it was just a B, but this is like, wow, I got a B, you know, and, and so, uh, but he's a really nice guy, and, and his, his uh, uh, area of expertise was textual criticism at looking at the different old manuscripts and evaluating which one is older than the other, because, you know, our goal is to get to what, what God actually said to the original author. And that was his area of expertise, and, and he was just awesome at Greek, and he'd have all these asides, he'd stop and, and tell us about this variant or that, and, and all these details that just not all of them would stick in your head. But then, one day out of the blue, he'd never done this before, he just stopped his lesson and just talked about the importance of being thankful of having a heart of gratitude. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, nothing he said was just like earth-shattering, but I think just because of who he was and, and the fact that he had never done something like that before, it just really stuck in my head. And, and the Lord, I still think about him, and I still just, it impresses upon me just this, this great need in us to be thankful. And, and even earlier in my life, in, in, in college, um, have you, you know, Barnabas wasn't in Acts. That wasn't his real name. It means son of encouragement. In fact, I can't remember his real name right now. Um, but he was such an encouraging guy that they started nicknaming him son of encouragement. And, and that seems attractive to me. I want to know a guy like that. And, and, and I have. It's actually a, a, who I think of most are two ladies. And one was, was in college. And and she just would smile. Uh, she was just positive and cheerful. And and me and my best friend, uh, uh, the same one from the seminary story, uh, we had a class with her in sci- psychology. And and she was a senior, and we were freshmen. And we're like, why is this cool senior hanging out with these dorky freshmen? And 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 she was so infectious and so positive always smiling and I would watch her you know she was really involved in campus life and all her interactions she was always the same and and my friend Doug and I would notice every now and then she'd just open her her three ring binder and mark something and then close it and we finally got up the courage to ask her what she was doing and she stopped and she said you know I didn't always used to be like this. So she was fully aware of of her personality. She said, but one day the Lord just impressed on me to keep track of every time I was thankful. And so she opened up her three-ring binder, 
And it, it was just like, I don't know, close to 50 or, or so pages of little chicken scratches. You know, one, two, three, four, slash. Little, and it was a full notebook page full of little chicken scratches all on the page. Page after page after page. And every time she felt thankful for something, she would open up that three-ring binder and, and, she, and she'd make a, a tick. And she said it, it began to change her. And she began to see how God was, was looking out for her in more and more ways. And it made her more and more thankful. And she said it literally changed her personality. And I find that hard to believe. You know, you think people are just always like that. But she, she claims that she wasn't. And the truth is, we might never naturally become like that. But we can choose to live like that. We can choose to be like that, and I think God is calling all of us to do that. So let's uh, read our text, if you'll stand with me. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Amen. The reading of his word. Thank you. You may be seated. And originally I was just going to uh, uh, preach Psalm 73, uh, but I, I got this opportunity to preach both. And Stephen, um, do be in prayer for him for renewal and just rest. And and uh, uh, but now I get to preach Psalm 111 as well. And uh, so I was I was knew about Psalm 73 for like a couple months, and and I was mentally preparing, and and it's it's kind of nice, you know, when I when I was a pastor, you, you know, it's Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but when you only have to prepare for one sermon uh, every six months, you you can totally just mentally get in there. Well, this one I wasn't so prepared, uh, and and I started reading it earlier. Uh, I didn't know, you know, I knew more than a week. Um, but I kept reading it, and it just wasn't impacting me the way Psalm 73 was. And uh, I'm so thankful. You know, uh, uh, the Lord says, if you lack wisdom, ask him, and he'll give it to you in the letter of James. Uh, and and, and it's, it's true every time. And I'm like, Lord, uh, what do I say? How does this impact my life? How do I convey that to others? And, and he's always been faithful to that prayer. And so I'd encourage you to be a teacher. Uh, you learn so much, and, and, and you grow so much. And so as I was preparing for this, uh, it, it just began to unfold. And, and, and so uh, uh, just a, a little background uh, uh, more um, is, uh, you know, 111 and 112 are both acrostics. And, and the, the theme of this 
verse is thankfulness, but thankfulness specifically for the works of God. And then, and then in the next psalm, Psalm 112, you have a psalm all about God, and then 112 is all about uh, the man of God or being godly. And so uh, I, I, I stole this from a commentary. Uh, they, they titled the two psalms, God at Work, Godliness at Work. And so if, uh, you know, we're going to look at 111 today, but, but if you're impressed by this or, or God leads it to you more, that's a better reason. Um, go home and read 112, the co- kind of the companion psalm to this. And so, uh, and so, uh, I, I, again, I think you know he, he introduces kind of the whole point of everything in verse one, uh, just like Asaph did in in his psalm, and it says, "I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright." in the congregation. And so he hasn't hasn't said why to give thanks, but just to give thanks with your whole heart. And 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 really uh you know that that is our call from from our Lord. You know, he said it in the Old Testament to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And Jesus repeated it uh several times through the gospels that that's the greatest commandment. And so if if we're going to be thankful, uh, if we're going to praise God, do it with your whole heart. And uh, that's why, you know, uh, 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 the Psalms are so refreshing because it involves uh, a vocalization uh, and, and, you know, saying Scripture out loud really puts more power to it and, and involving our body in the Scriptures uh, uh, helps, helps just kind of mentally, uh, you know, our body are doing things and everything and, 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 and when, when it's all in a line, it, it, it just helps us do it with our whole heart. And then we got to take that and take it home, take it to work, take it on the road, and, and, and we take this with us and, and continue to worship God with our whole heart, continue to thank Him with our whole heart. And then I mentioned uh, the second part of this verse, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. And um, uh, that, that Hebrew word company uh, is, is kind of uh, like a circle of close friends or advisors. And, and, then the, and then he mentions the congregation, all of God's people. God calls us to be a family. And, and, and what he calls us to do makes a whole lot more sense in relation to him and in relation to others. And so uh, we are to be thankful among others. If, if, we're, if we're thankful in our heart, but we never say it out loud uh, to others, I think we really lessen what we could be doing for God and what we could be doing for others. Because when you're grateful, and believe me, uh, that woman was infectious. You wanted to smile more. You looked forward to seeing her. And, and, and there was a lady in the church where I was a pastor. And every morning she was just smiling. And, and I'll tell you, she had a rough life. And yet she was just this beam of happiness. And it got to the point where I looked forward to seeing her every Sunday morning. And when she wasn't, I was like, where's Miss Davis? Where is she? You know, have you heard? Is she doing okay? Um, and and and, uh, and so if if we withhold thanks of God, uh, w- we could be uh, hindering our brothers and sisters, and so uh, uh, that's what we're meant to do. And then he gets into why we should thank God, uh, starting in verse two. 
Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. And uh, one of the commentaries that uh, Stephen loaned me was uh, written by a British commentator, and he said one of the the science buildings in Cambridge has this verse uh, written in front of their observatory. And and I'm like, oh, that's great, you know. And and, and that's what the psalmist kind of has in mind is the creative works of God. And so not only can we thank God for who he is, but we can thank him for what he does. And we can praise him for who he is, and we can praise him for what he does. You know, I heard someone say, praise is, uh, you praise God for who he is, and you thank God for what he does. But again, those bleed together. You can thank God for who he is, and praise him for what he does, and vice versa. And, and, so, and so we're going to, the psalmist lists a lot of, of areas of God, of who he is and what he's done, that we can be thankful for. And the first is his creative work. And I mentioned last week, he didn't have to create us. You know, God wasn't forced to make us. He chose to make us. And it is wonderful. You know, when, when you uh, get to know a scientist who can, can really just unpack all the amazing stuff in, in the universe, it just increases uh, just the amazing uh, work of God in creating everything. And then uh, the Psalms tell us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, all the way down to our, our DNA, which is so amazing. And so we can thank God uh, for his creativity, for his creative work. And then we can thank God. Let me get on the right page here. We can thank God for his wonders. I, I, in, in the Hebrew, they, they translate it wondrous works, but it's actually one word. And so I, I, I like wonders. It just sounds better to me. And, and since I have the Hebrew to back it up, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> we can thank God for his wonders. And does that make you think of the prince of Egypt? Uh, you know, uh, uh, God told Moses that he would show Pharaoh all his wonders. And, and, and I think that uh, as we see that the psalmist has this idea of the exodus and, and, and the events following, um, and, and those wondrous, that wondrous time that, that God showed his works to Pharaoh, some Egyptians, when you read the text, actually did leave with the Israelites. And, and you, you read later in First and Second Samuel, and they're finally getting into the land. The Philistines had heard about this God. And that God told Moses, this is what I'm doing, not only to redeem my people, so, but the, so the world may know me. And it, and it happened. Those Philistines are like, oh no, they brought out the ark. We've heard about this guy. Now, it didn't go so well because they brought out the ark for the wrong reason. But God's work will be known, and his wonders uh, do happen. And, and you know, uh, you may not have this miraculous, uh, you know, I had a third eye and then God snapped and it disappeared story. Uh, that's the first thing that popped in my head. But, but <laughs> salvation itself is a miracle. You know, Paul says uh, uh, that, that we were spiritually dead. And, and through faith in Christ, now we're alive. And, and, and Paul's agreeing with the rest of the Bible. Ezekiel says, uh, 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 by God, I will remove your heart of stone and put, give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you. And that's, that's in Ezekiel 36. 
I mean, do you ever think about that? I mean, if you had a heart of stone, I mean, talk about instant heart attack. You know, you wouldn't be alive, you know. And, and, and so God does miracles for all his people. And we can thank him for that. But we can also uh, remember him for that. And, and so uh, full of splendor and... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He has caused wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And so the idea uh, is kind of alluding to the Exodus and, and, and all the, the celebrations and the memorials and the feasts that they had was to remember who God was and to remember what he had done for them. And, and, and we do do the same thing, and, and we need to keep it up. And that's why we say, you know, remember the real reason for Christmas. And, 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 and that's why we as, as Christians to say, you know, Easter's more important and, and we try to make it just as special or even more special because it's all about the death and resurrection of our Lord. That's why Christmas is important. You know, if, if Jesus hadn't done that, we wouldn't celebrate Christmas. And so we too need to remember who God is and celebrate Him. And, 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 and remind each other. And then, and then next, we can thank God for His provision in verses 5 and 6. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. And, and I, I really love that. Because first, it, He just starts out for our daily needs. God gives us our daily bread. Jesus encourages us to pray for that. And, and, and God takes care of us. Not a single sparrow falls without God's notice. Everything God is intimately involved with in his creation is, is says that he knows the hairs on our head. And, and I don't want to know the number of hairs on anyone's head, even my own. That's just useless information to me. But the point of that is to say that God is intimately connected and knows everything about all of his creation. And, and we're tempted in our weakness and in our sinfulness, we're tempted to start thinking that, that God's not there, that he doesn't care, or, or, or so many different variations of that, and that's a lie. And we need to rebuke it with God's truth because he does care. He cares about everyone, even those who ultimately deny him and reject him. He still loves them. God's love is perfect and without end. And it doesn't change based on our decision. Our decision is, is how we receive him through faith. And then God ties daily needs, the basic things of, of this life, to his covenant promise. And God's saying, not only do I look out just for the basics, I take care of everything, the special needs, uh, the promises, uh, and, and the promised land in verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of their nations. You know, uh, uh, back in the ancient world, to not have a land, you were kind of like a second-class citizen. They had derisive words for, for people who were nomads. And, you know, today you go into areas where nomadic life is still popular, and, and the people who don't live a nomadic life still kind of look down on them. Having land was a big deal back then, and, and I think maybe we've lost a sense of that. And, and the promised land... It, is, is even greater in heaven because the promised land here on this earth w was just a shadow of what is to come. 
we will inherit heaven. We will be citizens of heaven, children of God, co-heirs with Christ, and we're all going to have a place. You know, uh, I, I don't know if we all have our own mansion or if it's one big mansion, you know, depending on the imagery you go to, but, but, but what we know is we're all going to have our place, and it's going to be a good place. And we can be thankful for God's provision from, from, his, from the basic needs all the way up to the, the most special stuff and the covenants and promises. I love, I love the vision of Revelation. Uh, the throne room in chapter 4 is kind of the guiding vision for the entire book. You know, after the letters to the churches, it starts out with this throne room vision that, that before all the, the really crazy stuff starts happening, God is saying, I am on my throne. I am in control, and it's already a done deal in heaven. And, and in that vision, this is kind of just a small part that I just love, God has a halo of a rainbow around his head. And, and he wears his promises around his head, visible to all, for all to see. That, that the rainbow is God's covenant promise after Noah and the flood. And it was given to more than just the covenant people. It was given to everyone that he would never again flood the earth. And, and that is symbolic, that God surrounds himself with his very promises, that he adorns himself with his promises. And I think it's just a, a, just a beautiful image. And that's who our God is. And that leads us to praise and that leads us to thankfulness. And then in verse 7 and 8, we can thank him for just his works. I, I stuck with works because that's what the psalm... But, but I, I mean just, just the deeds, all the stuff that God does in this world. And he does a lot. And, and one of the biggest things that he's done is he's spoken. He has given us his word. And we can thank him for that. I, I had the privilege, uh, because of seminary, they encouraged us to go to other houses of worship, and then we'd write up uh, our opinions and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure it's funny now because, cause, you know, we're just arrogant, fresh, young bucks. But, but I had the privilege to go to a uh, synagogue, a traditional Jewish synagogue, and a Messianic synagogue. And, and uh, one of the things, the elements of their worship uh, you know, uh, is is they have a part where they bring out the word of God and they celebrate the fact that God has spoken and given His word to us. That's a part of their worship. And uh, let me tell you, it's a lot different between the two synagogues. And you know, I only have those two experiences to compare. But but in the Messianic synagogue, there was singing and dancing as they paraded out this scroll that was symbolic for all of God's word. And, and it was a celebration. And, and we can thank God as well that he has spoken to us, that he has given us his special revelation. The works of his hand are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. Precepts uh, is another word for laws, which, which is kind of code for the entire word of God. You know, sometimes the Bible just talks about the law. Sometimes it's the law and the prophets, and sometimes it's the law, prophet, and writing. But but what they mean is the Word of God. And those were the three parts of the Hebrew Bible. And so we can thank God, too, for speaking to us and for giving us His, His Word and, and just for all the stuff that He does uh, throughout our life. And we see it. And, and when you start looking for it like that, that uh, my friend did and you start keeping track of it, you see more of it. 
And, and, and when you read the book of Job and, and God finally shows up, God kind of makes a case of here is the physical world. You, you go read, God makes a really long speech, but it's all about the physical, visible world to Job. And God is kind of making this big old case of you weren't there when I created things. And here's the visible world that you can see right now, and you can't handle that. And there's a spiritual world that you can't even see. Job never says that, but that's what God is implying. You can't handle the visible physical world. You weren't there when it started, but there's a whole lot more. And, and I think if we really get down to it, of all the things that we see that we should be thanking God for, I am certain, I am positive that there's like, that's just the tip of the iceberg of the stuff that we don't even know that God has done for us. And we can thank Him for the things we don't know, just assured in who He is and that He's looking out for His children. And then, you know, I wasn't sure when to do this, but I thought this was a good time to do it. When, when you're reading through this psalm, you can thank Him in, in two ways, both in quantity and quality. I, I love those two, uh, those two what do you, uh, attributes uh, about anything. Um, and so quantity, five times it, it mentions that, that God's work endures forever in this psalm. Ten verses, so five out of the... the Ten verses, it talks about the enduring quality of God's uh, work, and and that's quantity. It's not going to end. We're not going to exhaust the wealth of God or, or, or the riches that he lavishes on his children. And, and we get so many blessings right now, but, but as Paul says, this is a, a scene in a mirror dimly. But one day we're going to see it all. We're going to know all the goodness of God. And as C.S. Lewis put, we're going to spend forever getting to know an infinite God. And we're never going to exhaust who He is and what He's done. And so that's kind of the quantity, but it's also a quality. And now uh, the qualities of, of just throughout this psalm, uh, verse 3 mentions His splendor and majesty. The wor- his work is, is, is uh, glorious. And then in verses 3 and 8, it's righteous. Everything that God does is right. He knows best. And really, I think that's part of the heart of sin. You know, uh, uh, Jesus uh, says that uh, uh, the love of money is the root of of many kinds of evil. Well, I think another root is just that that we think we know better. (laughs) That we're going to take a shortcut and get what we want. But we don't. And we need to affirm that God knows best. His way is right. And, and that's what this psalm affirms. And his work is wonderful, wondrous, powerful. Verses 4 and 6. His work is gracious and merciful. You know, uh, uh, again, these concepts can really bleed into each other. But grace is, is getting something that we don't deserve in general. And mercy is not getting something we do deserve. God graciously gave His Son on our behalf. God graciously gave us salvation. God graciously gives us the perfect righteous work of Christ and lays it upon us. We didn't deserve any of that. And there's a song out right now that I, I like and talking about how God loves us at our worst, which is good. 
I, I'm, I'm not, but I, I, I always think when I hear that song, even at my best, I'm really my worst. My best isn't good enough, and God still loves me all the time. And God doesn't give us what we deserve. We, we wouldn't even be born. Adam and Eve would have been struck dead, and the human race would have been cut off. But God is patient. He is steadfast, and he is loving. And in verses 7 and 8, his works are faithful and just. And, and, and uh, you know, very closely to that, uh, verse 7, his works are trustworthy. You can count on him, and you can count on what he does. And, and verse 9, his works are holy and awesome, very closely related to wondrous and powerful, but uh, they are. And finally, uh, verse 10, his works are wise. Uh, it says in the in the Proverbs that God uh, created this world with wisdom. And everything that God does is because of who he is. His works and his words are this way because he is this way. Everything that comes out of God is perfect because he is perfect. And then finally... In verse 10, we kind of have a shift. We have all these qualities, all these great aspects of the work of God to thank Him for. And then, fear the Lord. And, and you may recognize this, this verse is in many of the wisdom li- literatures of, of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and, and, and uh, Job. And this concept is, is all throughout the wisdom literature. And I tried to look and see if is, is the psalmist copying the wisdom literature, which came first, and I, I couldn't really figure it out. Uh, but does it matter? Uh, God created everything with wisdom, and he calls us to, to, to look at his wisdom and to copy it, to emulate it, uh, to live our life by it. And that, uh, to, to honor God, to live his way, is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, and the more I looked at this psalm, and, and, and I saw that, that we had this, this kind of sandwich. Of, of It starts out with honoring God with our whole heart. And then it ends with, with fearing God and, and following with wisdom. And in between are all these great things to thank God for. And in the midst of all that, we need a grateful heart. And we can't, we can't do it enough. And if we see the big picture, like the Psalm Asaph says in 73, we see who God is, we remember what he's done, how can we not be grateful? And so then I came, as I, as I, I felt like I explored this text and I unpacked it for myself and hopefully for, for all of us, and and you, you talk to pastors, and, and, and bar none, or well, maybe there's a few out there, but most pastors will say, application's the hardest part of the sermon. You know, maybe that in illustrations, you know. But application is the hardest part. But that's the most important part. James says, be hearers of the word and not just doers only. I mean, what's... What good is the word of God if it doesn't change our heart, we don't take it into ourselves, and, it, and we don't start living a life more in line with what God wants? And so I was really struggling with the application. In fact, if, if you see my original outline, I've got four points, and they're all blank. 
But then, then I, I really just said, you know what? The psalm itself is the application. And, and this series is all about how can we use these psalms to shape our prayer life. And I thought, you know what? You can pray this psalm. There are so many scriptures that you can pray. Paul has some beautiful prayers in his letters. I encourage you to go uh, read his letters and look for those prayers. And, and think about what Paul is praying for this people that he loves and that he's looking out for. And, and, and the more you think about it, you're like, well, I want that. I want that for me. I want that for my family. I want that for this church. I, I, this is a beautiful prayer. And I'm, why reinvent the wheel? You know, we don't all have to be poets and artists. Let's use their good work and, and take that prayer and, and pray that prayer ourselves. And so uh, the application is the psalm itself. And I, I encourage us to go home and, and read this psalm and, and look at the different ways, the works of God uh, that, that he thanks him for. He thanks him uh, for his creative works. He thanks him uh, for his... Uh, provisional works he thanks him for his works and his word and he thanks him for his who he is his quality and his quantity and and all these good things and his redemption and so i encourage us to go home and meditate on this to look at the different qualities of what we can be thankful for and you can do this with so many places in the scripture this isn't the only psalm on thankfulness and so as I close, uh, this will be my conclusion, this will be my application, and, and the end of, of our sermon. And, and I want to just close with, with spending some time thanking God. And uh, if you are like, wow, I need to talk to Pastor Danny or, or Ken or, or someone, I encourage you to do that. Uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll hang out here up front and you can come talk to me. Um, but 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 let us go out thinking in our heart for who God is and how great he is. Let's pray.